BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we finally know what Gwen's big secret is on days, and it's that she is Jack's daughter. Now, we don't know on camera yet how this all happened. Uh, You and I know, but it will unfold over the next couple of weeks and will be great. Um, But you know what I find so interesting about this story is that Jack has been a character on the show. He's been used on and off since the 80s. And this is the first time he's getting a surprise child, which I feel is such a soap staple. And you know, you look at the story, it was such a long build when you think about it. Emily O'Brien has been on the canvas since early June of 2020. So the show really took their time, allowed her to do a lot of damage to the Devereaux family. And now it's gonna create some really interesting dynamics on the canvas between Jack and Gwen, Jack and Abigail, Gwen and Abigail, you know, the list goes on. Um, And I also feel that we're going to get to see Matthew Ashford get more dramatic scenes, which to me is a good thing because I feel he's often been the comic foil in the past and this will give him a chance to really show something different. Yeah. um, You know, in the new issue, we actually did a photo feature on surprise siblings in soaps and there have been a lot of them lately, like on days uh, we've got Gwen and Abigail, but they're hot on the heels of Charlie and Tripp. And GH just gave Laura two new brothers. And not only is the surprise adult child a tried and true soap staple, as you said, but I think there have been some classic stories that remind me of this Gwen Jack beat. Um, Since Gwen has clearly been on a mission to destroy everyone with the last name Devereaux, it made me think of Carly first coming to town on GH and being so hellbent on destroying the life of the birth mother who gave her up for adoption, uh, Bobby. I'm interested in what the ripple effects will be here on Jack and Jennifer. And I'm also just really interested in seeing how the fans respond to the way it plays out. Like, will it make the audience more sympathetic to Gwen? Uh, I know you interviewed Emily O'Brien for the magazine and she spoke about how much pressure she felt to deliver in those scenes and how much care she put into preparing for them. And I, I really appreciate that. You know, I think we as fans kind of know, like, this is the big moment that a story has been building to. And I think the actors can definitely sense that too. And I'm always interested in whether that gets in their head at all and how it influences the performance they give. Another big story moment playing out right now is Olivia finding out the truth about Ned and Alexis sleeping together on GH. And I had that very conversation with Lisa LeCicero, who plays Olivia. And she told me how nervous she was about, you know, whether uh, everything she was hoping to play and convey as Olivia in those moments would actually come across to the audience. You know, I think if I was an Emily O'Brien or a Lisa LeCicero going to set on the days that we're talking about, I would be an absolute nervous wreck. Oh, me too. I mean, I can't imagine the pressure of knowing that you have to go to work and deliver and not only deliver, but do it in a very time sensitive fashion. You know, with COVID protocols and the new reality, you know, actors don't get to rehearse in the same way anymore. Um, We've had multiple people tell us that they either meet outside to do it, or I know Days has an app similar to Zoom for the actors to like, quote unquote, meet and talk through the scenes. But really the first time they're seeing each other in the flesh is when they get to the stage. And that must bring its own sense of, you know, urgency and stress. Um, So like kudos to all of them who pull it off the way they do. 
But, you know, I am totally on board for this Gwen and Jack story because, you know, I'd like when you can take an established family and find a workable beat that jibes with past story they've told and create a whole new dynamic. I've said many times that I'm all for introducing new characters, but only if they can be merged into tales with established, beloved characters we already know. I mean, I would argue that the majority of people watching soaps today are longtime viewers. I have not had a lot of people tell me that like they just picked up soaps for the first time in their lives. Could they have picked up a new show? Sure. But for the most part, the viewers want to see their faves, and Ron Carlovati has found a really great way to do all of that through Gwen. Yeah, you know, I, I really uh, do think that, that soaps have to tread carefully and be really purposeful when it comes to introducing new players. You know, new characters are inevitably going to take a certain amount of airtime away from characters that viewers are already invested in. So it becomes a question of whether the presence of these new characters provides the established characters with something meaningful to do or not. Uh, when I think about like the most successful new additions in recent years, um, we can say just that about them, you know, like YNR's Elena, for example, was a great value add because Devon needed a love interest. And uh, going back a little bit further, I think General Hospital's Chase, whose portrayer, Josh Swickard, is our guest today, likewise came in at just the right time because Ryan Pavey was exiting as Nathan, and that meant that Dominic Sampronia's Dante needed a new partner on the PCPD. You know, and then he was revealed to be Finn's brother and Nell's ex-lover, which gave him two solid connections to the canvas uh, to work from. You know, and as I recall, we weren't hit over the head with him, like from the get-go. The show integrated Chase carefully. Um, and now, as you mentioned, he does have Finn, but he also has Gregory and Jackie and, you know, love interests, intrigue, drama. And I'm invested in him because he was well-conceived and in his introduction and subsequent tales were well-executed. Yeah, and it, it doesn't hurt, you know, that Josh has, like, genuine star quality and charm and is pretty easy on the eyes. Oh, that too. Uh, yeah. Now, General Hospital fans have known all of that about him pretty much since day one. And now a lot more people are in on that secret uh, because the Netflix movie that he starred in with his wife, Lauren, A California Christmas, became a huge hit for the streaming service over the holiday season. And I am so happy that we get to chat with him today. So let's get to it. Hi, Josh. Hey, how's it going? Good. How's it going with you? So good. Good to be here. Yes, we're very, very happy to have you. Um, so Josh, you grew up in a fairly small town in Southern Illinois as the only son in a family with three daughters. Your father is a preacher and your mother is a voice teacher. And you once told me that pretty much the only rebellious thing you ever did was steal your dad's beer when you were 16. I told you that? <laughs> you did tell me that. Oh my God. <laughs> so the question, the question that this all prompts is how did a nice, normal, well-adjusted young man such as yourself end up as an actor? That is a great question. <laughs> From what I understand of PKs, um, like pastors kids, is you got to watch out for them. Like they're usually the they're usually the rowdy kids. So <laughs> we somehow got lucky. Um, but uh, both my parents were in the arts. My uh, my first job, paid job, I was a a singer, and it was called the Muddy River Opera Company. And it was my parents were in an opera company, and so I was the you know, the newsy that ran out and sang something in Italian and ran back and like, I got paid, you know, a hundred bucks or something. But, um, so I just kind of grew up in the world and it was in the Midwest. Um, and, and let's see, I, I, I had a girl that in high school that was a model. She was a friend of mine and she was like, I have a target casting in Chicago. Will you take me? And my mom let me skip school for some reason and drive this girl to Chicago and go to the casting. And while I was there, the, the modeling agency said something and uh, they were like, oh, stick around and blah, blah, blah. And so I modeled for a couple of years while I was in college up there. And then an acting coach came to Chicago and reached out to the modeling agency and said, hey, does anybody, is anyone interested in acting? And I grew up doing a lot of theater and I was like, sure, I'll take a class. And and I worked with him once and he said, forget everything you've ever learned about acting. You're horrible. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and great start. It was just like, yeah, it was, a, it was an odd character. And I didn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, trained in any way really other than theater, which is very, very different. And, um, and so he came back six months later and I was like, I'll try one more time. And the character breakdown was like 18 year old kid, Midwest boy, blah, blah, blah. It just broke, it was me. And, uh, and so I, I went and, and he was like, man, have you ever thought about moving to LA? 
I think I had five or six grand in my name. And I was like, let's, let's do it. And so I told my parents and they're like, we love you. We, you know, we verbally support you and, and hope you make it, you know? And, and so I hopped in my Hyundai and just, I drove out to LA and that was in uh, 2014, rather recent. I came out in 2011 for a couple years to, or for a couple months to sign with my team and then uh, went back to Chicago because I was working more there and then came back for good in 2014. Mm-hmm. Well, did you have any really memorable gigs as a model? No, I mean, I mean, I never had that life of, oh, that editorial and a beat, you know, like I wasn't that guy. I actually, thankfully, what pays is uh, e-commerce. What, if, if you wanted to make crazy money modeling, you rode that Kohl's, Sears, Bonton train and they'd come, you'd come back, you know, once, twice a week and, and you could ride that all the way to the bank. And so uh, I had a couple decent years where I, I kind of just did catalog. I mean, really cheesy, you know. <laughs> kind of stuff and and uh uh but uh it, but it was it was so fun I, I wouldn't change the experience for anything every every little life experience I've had um I've got I've pulled so much from it and it's it's made me such a grateful person so so yeah I look back on the modeling days and and I just I smile at it I think it was great <laughs> mm-hmm. So when you did move to LA, you'd had some like big city experience from being in Chicago, but was LA sort of its own animal? Was it a culture shock? Yeah, yeah. Being in Chicago was kind of a a buffer to it, you know, seeing a big city and and whatnot. But um, it it definitely is. And it's still a culture shock. I mean, I've I've been out here, I don't know, eight, seven, eight years, and and I still look around and, and it bothers me sometimes that a $9 smoothie is normal here. You know, (laughs) there's, there's things that I still go, that's not normal. Don't let that become normal, Joshua, you know? (laughs) And and so, uh, so yeah, it's, at times it's, it's a little weird, but, um, but it's one of those cities. It's, it's hard to move. You know, um, my wife and I talk, you know, like one day let's, let's move here. Let's do, let's do Nashville or, you know, and we, we kind of brainstorm and be to be closer to family, but it is a hard city to leave when you can hike and surf and ski two hours away and it's, it's all right there. So, so uh, it's odd and it's definitely a culture shock, but, but we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, now we had your buddy, Michael Mueller, who plays Kyle on Young and the Restless on the Uh-oh. podcast a few months ago. And we heard about the roots of your friendship, but tell us your version of how you two met. Oh shoot. What if it's completely different? Uh, <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> uh, I think we met, I think we met at Wilhelmina modeling agency in LA and he, we were signing our, our little contracts the same day. And the way I have the memory in my head, um, was he, I said, I made a joke to the, our, our agents and I said, it's good. You it's good. You snagged me. I was about to join the military and I actually was close to joining the military and I took the ASVAB and, and I was, I was so excited and all, a lot of men in my family did it. And I just, thought that that was going to be a, a route for me. And, uh, and after I said I was going to join the military, I hear this like thick Southern accent behind me. He's like, no way. I wanted to too, but my mama wouldn't let me. And, <laughs> and I turned around and it was Mueller. And he was like I don't know, 17, 18 years old. And he had just done a Abercrombie thing. And, and that kind of like helped him get into that world. And uh, I think after that, he has a better memory than I do. But I think after that, we, uh, may have talked for a little bit and then there were a few castings that were far away in LA. And so we got each other's number probably. And I think we were like, Hey, let's, let's carpool to this casting. Let's carpool to that casting. And, and, uh, but yeah, he and I, like, we really did come up together. Not that we're up anywhere right now, but, but we, we grew up, you know, there were a lot of, you know, teenagers playing video games in our, you know, studios. And, and, uh, so it's really fun to be sharing this experience with him. Yeah, he really did, to be clear, kind of start stalking you, I have to say. I mean, you worked at SoulCycle, then he worked at SoulCycle. You got a soap, then he got a soap. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I dragged him to SoulCycle. He, he, was, he, would, he, would, he was like at working out at Equinox and just buff as could be. And I was like, hey, come to my group fitness class. I'm teaching and it's going to be fun. And he was like, no, you know. And then finally, like, I'm like, you're my friend. If you don't come, I'm going to be sad. And so he came and the second my class ended, like all the corporate people at SoulCycle were like, oh my gosh, who is your friend? And I was like, here we go. 
his name is Michael. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that as you were, you know, finding your way in the business, working there was uh, a big deal for you. And I just think it's so funny that another instructor at the time was Brianna Nicole Henry, who now plays your boss, Jordan, on General Hospital. Were you like shocked when you saw her at the GH studio? Uh, yeah, I remember the day they tested that role and there were three or four women that came in and she was in the hair and makeup chair and I was just like, shut up. <laughs> and, uh, and it was cool because I think Frank like walked into the hair and makeup right around when she and he saw us and he knew our, our friendship and, and um, but contrary to that, like we just, we vibed really well and she's a stellar, stellar actress. But yeah, it's, it's such a weird, when you see how many people go up for these roles, that the world can still be that small is, is fine. Right. Mm -hmm. um, now you made your TV debut, if I have the timeline right, on Liv and Maddie for the Disney Channel, where you recurred as Todd Stetson. So what was that experience like? Uh, that was awesome. That was so cool. It was, let's see, I got the call. I was driving up up to Mulholland on Beverly Glen, and my, my manager called me. And I, I moved out January of 2014, and that was June of 2014. And, and, and she called me and she goes, we did it, buddy. And I was like, and I was just so much emotion. And it was only supposed to be one episode and, but still just booking a real job, you know? And, and, uh, and it was, I mean, I was, I was so strapped on cash and I remember it was so funny cause my car broke down on the way there. I didn't have the money to fix it, but I'm filming this big, you know, cable television show. And it was such an odd experience. Um, but man, they were such a good crew. They'd already been going for a while. I think it was, I came on maybe the second or third season. Um, and so they already had that familial kind of vibe, but it was so special because the, the, you know, Disney, it was Disney. So it's just the, everyone's running up and hugging each other and giving piggyback rides. And if someone <laughs> on set, they would like just scream through the, uh, hair and makeup or through the through uh, dressing rooms and like hey Joey where you at or you know and uh just joking around 99.9 percent .9 of the time and for that to be your first experience is very lucky and 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 so I still talk to them every blue moon and and they're all killing it doing their own things and so yeah it was it was couldn't have asked for a better first job so another one of your early jobs ended up being extremely significant for other reasons, but you um, filmed a movie called Roped, and on the set, you met your beautiful wife, Lauren. Did you guys start dating right away? Like, what was the beginning of your love story? We, we kind of knew going into it that that is a common thing for two actors to feel some type of way, and you know, so, so we both kind of recognized that, and... Uh, we, we definitely had a spark while filming, like no doubt. Um, but once filming ended, we took, I remember we took a few weeks and, and we were like, let's just not really talk to each other much and breathe. And, and, um, and I think after about a month, yeah, I, I called her and, and we started dating and, and within three months, I was like, Josh, she's my wife. And so I remember calling my dad and I was like, dad, she's the one, but it's only been three months. And, and my dad said, uh, he goes, my advice would be know a girl in every season. So I waited four seasons. I waited a full year or a year and a couple months and uh, popped the question. But yeah, it was that, that movie again, a very tight knit crew. The production company had worked on, I think 11 films together. So the, the whole crew is, was family. And so weekends were riding motorcycles through Napa. And I mean, it was probably an insurance nightmare, but, but we were just <laughs> home fun. And, and, uh, and went to a, a sting concert and you know a day before film i mean just like it's it's just so sweet um but yeah that that movie definitely changed my life for the better so mm -hmm. and i love dad with the great advice yeah totally. <laughs> coming through <laughs> <laughs> right. um now tell us your general hospital casting story um you originally auditioned for the role of peter am i right i think so i actually can't confirm that i auditioned okay. for a different role and so i was kind of process of elimination wasn't this role it was it was uh something else and it was right around i think when Wes came on the show so my brain assumes that um okay. but yeah it was a reporter of sorts um were the were the sides and or the, the script and um i was filming roped while i got the call and and i kind of flew down in the middle of the night had no sleep 
the the test was just horrible and i i genuinely said people like oh it couldn't be that bad it was that bad and uh, (laughs) and so and frank thank the lord um he was just so kind and he understood my situation and and um kind of what the what, what what everything was and so um they spliced together a bunch of different takes from the test to send to the network because I don't know if I made it through once and um and I I I borderline left saying sorry for wasting your time you know (laughs) and uh and they didn't obviously didn't hear back I went straight back that within the hour to uh I flew back to SF to finish ropes and after a week I didn't hear anything and I was like you know it wasn't meant to be you know the right door will open at the right time and and came back a month or two later, um, uh, one of the actors, uh, Pavey, was leaving the show, and they were like, "Well, we need a cop," and and it kind of came down to, "Oh, we, we kind of like that guy," and and so they called me, and and uh, and that was that, and and it, I I got the offer and signed on the dotted line, and it was, and you know, the rest is history. That's so funny. Do you remember when you went in? for your audition since it was like for a story that you didn't really end up in. Did you work with different people who were like strangers to you, but you now know as castmates? Oh yeah. Well, I wasn't familiar with daytime at all. I, I, I didn't know the world. I grew up with three sisters. So it was, I knew chick flicks and Disney and it's all I knew. And, uh, and, and so I tested with Steve and Finola and I didn't know Steve Finola or Frank, and I'm in the room with all three of them, and, and I thankfully didn't know who they were, or else I probably would have been even more nervous than I was. And, uh, and they both came into my dressing room at a different time. Hey, do you want to talk about it? Do you have any questions? Uh, just relax, have fun. You know, they were just such stars, you know. And, uh, and, and now, obviously, my dressing room shares a wall with Finola, and Steve I texted 30 minutes ago. So, <laughs> um, now is it the first time you had tried out for a soap? I think I tried out. I don't know if I tried out for GH before or not, and just completely crapped the bed. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think I went in for bold once. Okay, that's a good question. I've never. Actually, I think yeah. I think I once or twice I'd tried out for a daytime show. When the time was right, it was clearly very right. Um. So. Who were your like first buddies in the cast? Like as you were getting adjusted, who do you remember helping to show you the ropes? I remember they were celebrating a milestone, like 14,000 episodes or so. They were celebrating something. And so they called my second day, they called everyone to the stage. And rarely everyone's doing their own thing. You have your own storyline. So you're in hair and makeup on your own, your dressing room up on the stage. So I can, you know, Donnell and I can brush shoulders you know, 20 times and almost not see each other because if we're not in the same storyline, you know? So it was mm-hmm. the second day and they brought everyone up and I'm kind of standing there in the back and Haley Aaron came up to me and she was like, Hey, you're new. And, uh, and I was like, yeah. And, and she's like, well, let me show you around. And she completely introduced me to everybody, showed me how to get from the stage to the hair and makeup to dressing rooms and, you know, just so many different things. And so I, I thank her, I still thank her mentally, you know, just for like helping me and, and, um, but everyone was cool. It, it was, it was one of those things that it's awkward your first day of school because everyone has their, you know, everyone's talking and laughing and, and you kind of want to be a part of it, but you don't know them well enough to just walk up. And, and so it's, it's, it's junior high all over again. Um, and then over time months go by and, you know, y'all become friends and, and, and we really are, it's a, it's a tight group. So. Mm-hmm. Well, your brother on the show is played by Michael Easton. So tell us about your real life relationship with him. Uh, it's, it's great. I mean, we don't, we don't hang out much outside of GH. Um, we talk about it a good bit, but, <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's been awesome. It's he, he's always game to, to play, to rehearse, to, I can ask him questions about, even just outside of GH, like industry stuff. And, and he's been around the block. He's done it before. Um, and so we, I do kind of like that, you know, the guy who plays my father and the guy who plays my brother, they, they kind of take those actual roles a little bit um, in, in my life. And, and, and so it, it kind of mirrors it. And that's been great. I'm, I'm so stoked with my whole little family situation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not too shabby, as they say. Mm-mm. Now, you had only been on the show for a few months when you had to do a solo number in the nurse's ball. <laughs> uh, 
how nerve wracking was that? It was terrifying. I remember <laughs> I, had, uh, I had this big old scene and, and Frank walked up right before the scene. He's like, do you sing? And I was like, yeah, kind of. He was like, oh, you're going to be on the nurse's ball. And I was like, and I didn't really know what it was. I was like, oh, okay. And then they're like, five, four. And I was like, oh, geez. And right before scene threw me. Um, they later explained what the word, I, someone played a joke on me. And uh, it might have been Haley. I can't remember. But I was like, what's the nurse's ball? And they're like, oh, Google. Or someone sent me the magic Milo clip. And they're like, this <laughs> nurse's ball. And, and I thought that's all it was. Like, I, I didn't know. And and I, I can't, I'm not, I can't, I don't want, I, I, was, I, I was so concerned. And then thank goodness, Frank, you know, was like, here's a great song. And, and he gave, and, and, and he's been, you know, really cool. So uh, yeah, I was, I was petrified. But at the same time, it, it, you don't get the butterflies that you get on stage doing theater um, with TV film. And being in front of all your contemporaries, you know, it, it definitely, definitely created that and so it, it gave that kind of opening night feel before the curtain opens up and and I missed that so much so um so I love both both performances at the nurses ball just for for that reason mm -hmm. am I remembering correctly that you, you were like in your dressing room talking to yourself maybe giving yourself a pep talk before you had to go on set do you recall that I mean that, that like happens more talk? than it should so I don't know <laughs> But uh, probably during that that moment too, yeah. <laughs> Something to know about Mara: if you told her once, she will remember I it. No, this is scary. She's my memory. Trust. Oh no. Uh, now Chase got a proper girlfriend when Caitlin McMullen came aboard as Willow. So tell us about working with Katie. She's awesome. She's so cool. Um, very. Um, she does her homework. She coaches like a like crazy and and takes notes and I mean she's so you know devoted to the craft if you will and and so it's a privilege you know being able to work with someone that I mean she'll get four page monologues and always does it in one take and and everyone just kind of like looks and they're like a little upset because it makes <laughs> us look bad but at the same time just like we marvel at it and so um she's um, she's she's a really really cool gal do you have your own favorite chillo moments or ones that stand out to you as particularly memorable for one reason or another? Oh man. Um, I remember one of our first like date scenes where I had her to the house. Uh, we were eating and right. She's supposed to be finishing up a bite at the top of a scene. And she took this monstrous bite. <laughs> like, they were like, and they counted down and, and the, we started filming and she's chewing and, still chewing and 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 i'm trying so hard not to break because time is money on that show you know and and so you really don't want to blow a take if you if you can help it and and so i was we were doing everything to keep our composure and then finally we just broke and we were we were rolling and it, it took us a second to like gain our composure again and and but that that's a definitely a moment that sticks out mm -hmm. Um, now, one of Chase's key relationships on the show was actually with his best guy friend, Michael, although their friendship has been a little bit on the rocks of late. Um, <laughs> so you and Chad Duell seem pretty close. Tell us about your dynamic. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's a knucklehead. And when we're together, it's not good usually uh, when it comes to productivity. Um, no, um, he's crazy talented. So it kind of allows him to be a knucklehead because of how good he is. And so um, I've enjoyed our, our, our story arc of, you know, becoming friends and then there's slight rifts and then it, friendship always ends. But now it's like, we're in a, you know, a bit of a storm right now in our storyline. So will we be ever be friends, you know? And, and, um, but working with him, I mean, behind the scenes, we're, we're usually, if someone needs to find me and I'm not in my room, they'll usually go to Chad's room and I'm in there. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you were telling me recently about some like pretty epic practical jokes that he's. What, what was with the furniture rearranging? This is this is a monthly thing for him, and I don't understand it because it'll be sometimes when we haven't spoken in weeks or something. Like we're not doing this little back and forth thing. I'll just come back to my room on a Tuesday, and everything's upside down. And, <laughs> and so, like the first time, you're like, "Oh, you got me," and the second time, it's like, "Yep." Yeah, and then after that, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> but it's great. I mean, we, we have fun. 
<laughs> clearly, clearly. All right. So 2019 was a big year for you on the personal front. Uh, you proposed, you got married. Tell us about the wedding. And I think I told you when I think Lauren posted highlights on Instagram and I was sobbing. sobbing. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been, I mean, it's, it's just been, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound cheesy, but I'm just, I'm speechless over the past two years. Like everything that's happened professionally and personally, it's just God's good. And, and I'm, I'm so thankful and, and I feel so blessed. And, and that's usually how I start every day is just kind of grounded in that. And be, because of this, you know, awesome. And yeah, you can find problems with, I guess, anybody's life, but, but uh, it's been, it's been so good. And, and yeah, 2019 was pandemic hit 2020, right? Yeah. So 2019 was the last like good normal out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I proposed while we were skiing, and then eight months, seven, eight months later, we, we get married, and and we did our, our honeymoon, and and uh, we're we're still kind of like waiting for the ball to drop of like that honeymoon phase, but it's been you know a year and a half and hasn't yet, so we're just like, oh, let's keep going, and uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, we uh, we love we love marriage. It's it's a cool for me. I I just I think it's such a neat. I think it's such a neat thing to to make a vow to somebody in today's day and age because we don't, you know, it's the only time you vow something in your life to anyone, you know, and and in our our culture and society, I think to get to get married is kind of you know it's it's getting pushed and like to get married young is kind of weird and and you know like the amount of people that pulled me aside when I was thinking about proposing like dude you're in your twenties man what are you doing like there's so much more fun to have you know <laughs> and, and 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 so it's it's funny but I. I wouldn't change it for anything. Like it's, it's the best. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> okay. So 2020 professionally, was pretty interesting. You got not one, but two big name actors cast as your fictional parents on GH, Kim Delaney as Jackie and Gregory Harrison as Gregory. So tell us about working with each of them. Uh, it's a privilege. I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, Greg, I did, I did my homework a little bit on both of them afterwards. Cause again, not if you weren't in princess diaries or how to lose a guy in 10 days, probably didn't know. You like that's just, how <laughs> it was. um, but, uh, so I, I kind of did my homework on both and was like, wow, these guys are, these are heavy hitters, you know? And, and, and they both bring it and that you can tell when, when you're doing scenes, the way they can turn it on. It's like, Ooh, you, you've been there. Um, and, and so yeah, Greg's just an animal. He's so fit and and energetic and when you're around him you just like kind of want to be him a little bit and and kim kind of instantly took on that kind of mom role to the way we would talk and she asked how i'm doing and it, it's quickly this mother-son rapport <laughs> in the storyline now the show is kind of like flirting with the possibility that finn might be chase's biological father and i am less curious about whether that is true than if whether you have been calling Michael dad behind the scenes or having had any other fun with this uh, possibility? No, <laughs> well, it's weird for both of us. <laughs> really gone like brothery on it that, that now that this is, you know, a possibility, we're like, okay, dad, you know, like it just <laughs> makes you grandpa, you know? <laughs> um, that's the that's why you turn into soap so it's it's wild it's crazy you don't know what's gonna happen and and so yeah we're we we laugh about it but um now the other big question hanging over chase at the moment is whether he and willow can bounce back from chase's pretend affair with sasha so do you think chase deserves forgiveness oh wait no um Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, an outsider looking in i see both sides i see how you can't come back from that and then uh at the same time, if you really try to understand his heart, you could you could be like, all right, you were, your head was in the right place, your your delivery was a little off, but uh, <laughs> but that it you know that it potentially that it kind of worked in their favor. I think that gives them a few points because you're like, well, maybe it wouldn't have worked if he didn't do it. Um, but tell, yeah, he deserves a second chance or whatever but uh but who knows there's a, there's a lot of ways they could take it right now every script they send me i'm i fly through it because there's i have like there's three options in my head that i think they could do but do you want to get a keeping no. those close to the best okay <laughs> <laughs> all right so um let's go back to march 2020 mm -hmm. 
General Hospital shuts down production because of the pandemic for like an unknown period of time. You don't know how long. Uh, the rest of the country is making sourdough and banana bread, but in your household, you cook up a movie. So tell us the story of how, you know, Lauren came up with the idea to take the time to write a movie, how she came up with the idea for the specific movie, A California Christmas, and how, like, it came together so quickly. Yeah, we got a call from the executive producer of the first film we did together, Wrote, and it was kind of his idea initially, and he he called us and he said, how quick could you guys put out a Christmas movie? And Lauren's great writer and uh and and Lauren's like I could I could write one in a couple weeks and he goes you know we our idea is there probably won't be a ton of Christmas movies floating around for 2020 and uh and so it was kind of a lofty let's see what happens let's see if we can get the script done and then we got the script done and then it was let's see if we can put a crew together and all the while we're on the phone with SAG going, what's allowed, what's not allowed. There was one production, I think a John Travolta production in, in Georgia going, and that was it. And so I think we were the second SAG thing out of the pandemic or during the pandemic. And super small crew, a lot of the same people we used from Roped. And we just took it day by day. And there were times that, you know, a false positive comes up or someone's positive from a you know, some other thing. And, and so we'd shut down. And then all the while we're shutting down, we're getting word that GH might be coming back soon. And so I'm going, oh, I, you know, and this was such a, I don't want to say low budget, but we were, we were really trying to get this done as quick as we could. Um, we did two six day weeks to pump out the whole thing. And we didn't have a casting director. We called, you know, people we knew and people that we, that we admired. And we were like, Hey, can you do this? It's going to be a labor of love. And then we fit and during filming, you know, this is the first time Lauren and I've been on the back end as well. And so we're getting home going, did this work? We had to change this scene on the fly because of time and did it and things that actors don't usually think about. And, and, or, you know, do we cut this because overtime is going to be X for X amount of people and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and so we finished filming and we're like, do we even have, a movie here like we didn't know what it, you know we didn't and we're, we're seeing some of the dailies we know there's some cute scenes going on and um but we didn't you don't know sometimes it takes like halfway through filming to know like okay this is gonna work or this isn't gonna work and i mean you guys have seen there's 80 million dollar movies with the world's best director and the world's best actors and it just doesn't something doesn't work there's so many different elements that go into it and so with ours we're just like man i hope we can sell this thing. And, and we got a call within weeks after filming and Netflix was like, we'll make it a Netflix original. And, uh, and so we just lost our minds and it was such a good, such a good situation. And, and so we were like, well, at least they got it. Hopefully it's not embarrassing when they watch it. And I mean, we constantly were kind of setting the bar low going, you know, well, at least someone took it, you know, no one will see it, but someone took it. And right. the day it came out, um, our phone, we both woke up to like 80, 100 texts and, and they're like, it's number one in the world. And we were like, oh and we just laughed. I mean, it, we couldn't even, we, it was just utter disbelief. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it, I think it stayed in one for seven, 10 days, something like that. It was, it was wild. Um, and so we, we still don't understand it. I mean, it's certainly a cute movie. It, it's a feel good thing. Um, definitely don't understand the success. I mean, it was, it was number one in a lot of countries that don't celebrate Christmas. So like, you know, a California Christmas, I don't, but, um, we're, we, we, we feel so fortunate and, uh, hopefully, um, I think, uh, I think another one's in the near future. So. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, tell us where you filmed it. Filmed it in, uh, just outside kind of Napa area in a town mm -hmm. called Petaluma and, uh, outside of San Francisco. And uh, the, the the production company ESX, they uh, they've got a lot of ties up there, so we can find locations a little easier. Rent a ranch, like. <laughs> yep. Uh, Air ranch and B. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um, do you have like favorite scenes uh, from it? We both we both watched it. You got two Jews watching a California Christmas. That's right. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, let's see, favorite scenes. Um, 
there were a lot of scenes that we just laughed the whole time. Um, the the sex scene was kind of funny because we were on a, a hill and the grass was literally like titanium grass. I don't know what it was, but you, you'd put a blanket down and then sit on the blanket and then like a hundred bristles just go up through the blanket. And so when we like, I'm on my back and it's killing me and then I like roll over and Lauren gets on top and then we'd have to cut. So I'd pull out all the pieces of grass that were stuck in her butt and like <laughs> in the jeans, you know, and, and I mean, like it's the cuts good, the edit's good, you know, but in the moment it was, we're losing light. We got to We got to wrap the crew. We got to this. There's grass in her ass. You know, like we're, I mean, just the funniest. Um, so that's, we, we think back on that one kind of funny and uh, yeah, there, there were a number of scenes that were like that didn't go as planned, but it worked. <laughs> Now, obviously, you have worked together before, but now you're married. Uh, what was it like for you to sort of take a step back and sort of have the getting to know each other period, you know, but now on camera? That's interesting. Yeah, because the in Roped, it was, we really didn't know each other. And we had that, um, I think this this is a lot easier. I mean, now we know each other so well. And um, I thankfully had a, a strong mom. So uh it was, it's cool when my wife's in a, I mean, technically, you know, I, I co-produced and she executive produced, so she was my boss. And, um, and that's not an issue for me. I've, I've never, you know, I, we have like a, a really neat understanding at home of, you know, who makes what decisions. And we, we really like our, our dichotomy here. And, and when it comes to work, I give ideas and I think, I go, I think this is going to work. And she'll either take it and be like, that's a great idea. Or she'll be like, no, it's not going to work. And, and I, I brush it off and it's, it's, it's gone in a second, you know? So um, we're thankfully, and this is only one project, who knows what the future is going to hold, but uh, we work very well together. And, um, and, and that, that definitely saved, saved us, I think. Um, just that, that being the case, I'm sure it would have been a disaster if, if we didn't work well. <laughs> so you, you said you woke up to this, you know, news about how well it was doing and just laughed, but like, did you do anything to celebrate? Like, what was it like just living in your house, looking at each other going, we have the number one movie in the world on Netflix. Like what? I think that's kind of what, what it was, was we just, we, we, we did because how do you celebrate that? You know, you go, this is great. So what's for lunch? You know, <laughs> like you, there's like when it comes to like success of a movie or, or fame in general, or your career taking off, there's this neat, like, wow, this is, this is a one in a million, or I'm so thankful. I'm so blessed, whatever it is. But then it's kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go do the laundry now, you know? <laughs> and and uh, so we've probably said 40 times to each other since December 14th, I think when it came out. We just look at each other and we're like, how? How in the world? And, and it's, it's, uh, it's something special. You know, it's something you can't dwell on. You can't focus on it. You can't let it go to your head or your heart. Um, but you can always look back and have like a little fond thing of like, oh, we, we did this. We created this. And, and people responded to it. And it, it wasn't full of violence. It wasn't full of sex. It wasn't full of swearing. And the world still responded to it. And, and in a world where to have a hit show, you know, think of Game of Thrones and Euphoria and all, all great shows, but it's like brothers and sisters are doing each other and young kids are doing each other. I mean, it's like the sex sells. And, and to be able to, to be like, ah, guess what? We, we prayed around a table and we did this and we did this and people still liked it, you know? And, and that, that to me is maybe what I'm most proud of is, is we were capable of, of, of doing that. And that's a, that's a hard thing you know, as an actor, like where, where's your, 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 you know, morals and values and integrity and like all everyone's level is different, but trying to float that through each of your projects. Um, and so for us to be able to do something that's just fun and feel good and, and it be successful is kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, like that feels good. You know? Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. Now, as you mentioned, so good that there will be a sequel, California Christmas City Lights. So now, based on just sort of the genesis of this whole project, did you ever imagine when you were working on it that there would be another one or could be a series even? <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> I mean, not in a million years. Uh, we have ideas on on what two would be and if there was a third, what third could be, you know, and, and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, yeah, no, literally what was it, six, four, five months ago, we were, we just like, man, 
did we waste a lot of money? You know, <laughs> I mean, we didn't, we had no idea. And, uh, and so, yeah, this, this is a complete dreams do come true. Miracles have whatever you want to call it. Um, pop yeah. guy. Um, we got lucky and, and when that's it. <laughs> Well, is there anything for the Christmas, uh, California Christmas fans that you can tease about the next one? Is it even written? It's in the process. Lauren's putting in the hours this week, next week. I mean, she's really cranking it out now. And, um, and it's good. I get to peek. I get to help here and there. And, and, uh, and it's the, the, maybe there's a slight chance that she gets to see some of Joseph's old world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe he gets pulled into that, and then there's and the city lights. I guess that's that's potentially what it could be. <laughs> right. So yeah, uh, it might be they end up in like a San Francisco world, and she sees a little bit of his old life. And is that good? Is that bad? Do they want that? Do they want the, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Um, now, has it sparked, you know, a desire to start working on other projects together or creating other scripts or movies oh, that you can do? We would do 50 cheesy movies together <laughs> all at a career, 100%. <laughs> she's way more, she's way more actory. She has like these, she, she would totally do like gnarly projects that take her there and all this stuff. And I'm just like, no, let's just bounce up and down on a motorcycle and call it a day. <laughs> Uh, no, um, yes, we would, we would work together all day, every day. Um, you know, I think, I don't know if people would eventually get bored of that. So probably won't, but you know, every <laughs> blue moon, maybe every five years or something, we do a movie together, but yeah, we, we loved it. Yeah. She's great. I, I, I fell, I fell in love with her from that movie. Oh, her. thank you. Yeah. She's, she's a star dude. She's such a good, such a good actress. And, um, yeah, we have fun. And you really, you know, there is a philosophy that sometimes real life couples don't bring the chemistry on camera, but you both certainly did. We so, did? Oh, good. Yes, that's oh, good too. Cool, cool. You got it. <laughs> we, of course, we, of course, chuckled at the uh, description of your character as looking like he could be on a soap opera. Whose idea was that? <laughs> Isn't that great? That was actually, who was that? So we get, we do like structure passes. So Lauren writes it and then she gives it to a guy that to do a kind of a structure pass to see if the structure's working and then a guy to do a comedy pass. And, I, and it was the comedy guy and his name is John Ducey. And, and he's, he so funny. And, and yeah, I think that was one of his marbles and it was so, it was so good. We both read it and we were like, of course, this is perfect. Um, I knew a lot of the fans responded to that. So that was, yeah. that was awesome. Um, I have one just little technical question. Talk me through how the calf birthing scene came to be. That was like, really cool. How did it happen? Yeah. Yeah, that was actually a cool for, you know, for Lauren and I one day we're like, oh, I want my director, you know, steps. We, we were sitting behind the camera the whole time going, okay, what are you doing with the DP and the director? And um, so basically they filmed the cow just sitting there normal. And then on the monitor, they drew a line where, the situation from the cow's rear end to Lauren would take place. And so they don't move the camera. They don't move the setup or anything. So they film the cow and then they film Lauren standing with legs. And we actually had a crew member holding cow legs on where the cow was and, and, and kind of like moving them around and, <laughs> the goop and soak them with the goop. And, and you've seen so even like high budget stuff you've seen, births not work and mm -hmm. so we were just like man i, I hope this kind of works." and i was so impressed with the final the final oh, yeah product. and there, there was i remember one tweet someone tweeted something it was like i watch california christmas or i, I want to watch a movie called california christmas for the the this the this the this and instead i got and it was like a still <laughs> of lauren with like legs and she's like you know pulling out the things <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. But um, I was, yeah, I was super impressed. So basically they film one side, they don't move the camera, they write something on the monitor, and then they film the other side. And then in post, they, they merge it together. Well, it was very impressive. I will say on the day that I watched it, I had had a big craving for like a steak or a burger, maybe not so much after it. <laughs> Seriously. Meal during it, like, oh. <laughs> Didn't feel the same. <laughs> Well, 
when you think back, Josh, on the the version of Josh Swickard that like strolled into the general hospital studio to report for your first day of work as Chase and where you are today, how do you think landing the job uh, changed your life? Oh, I mean, in every way. It it uh, It's so many hours of work. So just logistically, it changed my life in that way of always doing it. Um, but... but it's, it was a different level of work that I wasn't, I wasn't used to. I mean, I came from uh, Soul Cycle, which was a very demanding, you know, teach three classes a day and you're either eating, sleeping or working out, you know, and that, and that was it. And, um, but I'm, I'm I, you'd probably have to ask like a shrink, but I'm sure it changed my, <laughs> my confidence and it changed my demeanor and in, in, in some way. And um, it's, it's humbled me in a lot of ways you just, it's, it's hard and you see so many talented people and you're just like, man, that's, that's awesome. And so it's, it's a humbling experience. And, um, but, uh, I'm very grateful for it and grateful for the person it's slowly turning me into. That's amazing. Well, before we let you go, anything you want to say to the GH fans who have become such fans of yours over the past few years? Ooh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I've, everyone said going in when I first booked the job, they're like, Oh, don't worry. Daytime fans, they'll, they'll stick with you or daytime fans, they're loyal or they're, they're ruthless, but they're loyal, you know? And, 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 and boy, it's, it, it's true. They, they, uh, they have your back, you know? And, and, um, it, it's, I, I'm just, it's, I, I hate using this word so many times, but it's, it's humbling because to me, it's just, it's just, it's me. And so to, that someone wants to watch my work or that wants to watch what we're doing, um, it's like puzzling and then an honor at the same time. <laughs> and, and so, um, so yeah, whoever, whoever's been watching my work or GH or California Christmas or whatever, just, just thank you. It, it means the world to, to myself and to Lauren. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Today. So much gratitude here, guys. I love this. I know. <laughs> and we look forward to seeing what's next for Chase and what's next on Netflix for you. Totally. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was good to see you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Josh Swickard for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. <laughs>